Anyway, this is what Brooklyn sounds like. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And that I do. Oh, my God. I feel like so, so I feel like giving a shit is just such a drop in the bucket as to what actually has to really happen nowadays. I feel it. Wow. It's an overwhelming time to be on the planet, folks. This is all I can say. And uh, I don't have any real answer for it. But, you know, just uh, get your perspective in order. Use it as a chance to appreciate what you have and care for the people that uh, need and you need to, that need you and you need them. Be nice. Fuck this shit. Anyway, um, thanks a lot for listening to uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm Dr. Lisa. I'm a self-proclaimed psychotherapist, uh, which means that uh, I can I, I, I make a lot of I make a lot of I make a lot of pronouncements that may or may not uh, have any real weight behind them. But you'll you know you know what the deal is. So thanks so much for listening in. You know. Um, so, you know, uh, independent, and this is as independent as it gets. We can say fuck all we want on the air, even though, as you know, it's only our opinions, not the radio stations. But I think that um, now would be a great time to get involved with Radio Free Brooklyn, and I urge you to go to our website, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Um, we, sell, we sell awesome merchandise made by major artists. Uh, we have... Uh, we have a newsletter. We have so much. We have over 70 shows programming 24-7 of everything. Anyway, this is so awesome. Um, I'm going to tell you about my guest today, the one and only Chris Gersbach. Hi. I can't tell you how thrilled I am to be in the same room with Chris. Aw, thanks. I, I'm thrilled to be back. I was trying to remember the last time I was on the show, and I think it was... Like three years ago. Yeah, you know, most people don't even come back, don't even get a return invitation. <laughs> I think I was supposed to come back a second time in, in like uh, March 2020. Maybe. And then we, did, I think I was feeling sick and I was like, this might not be a good idea. Oh, yeah, because of COVID or something. Yeah, that's right? when we like, that's when people just started canceling everything. So, yeah, yeah. But thanks for having me back. No, no, it's, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you back. I, I, I'll be honest with you guys. I really like Chris. And the only reason I knew I could get him to hang out, with, I knew we'd have a chance, not get him to. The only reason we would make time to hang out is if I schedule my radio show. So yeah. I'm just, here for your company man i don't even care i don't even care if we have we can just talk about anything no but i i i um so i'm gonna give you my 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 two cents on chris and then i'm gonna have him <laughs> oh, ex no. explain chris to you okay. uh first of all i've known chris um i met chris first because we were taking a comedy class i don't even want to think what year at qed um with carol montgomery the wonderful yes. and talented and like huge huge like blow-ups yeah set. huge like i i'm so excited i got to meet her she's already an established comic but yeah Very the showtime specials that she's done when we like certain age are like huge yeah. now yeah it's crazy yeah yeah and um you know it's great it's inspiring and really like you could see it how you could see how it happened i mean it's just yeah. So, uh, and then, uh, QED, uh, I've known, uh, Cambry and Christian forever. And, uh, you know, Christian's going to be on next week. Did you know oh, that? Nice. We're going to talk about a special. I'm very excited oh, about cool. it. I'm he just very... started a new music newsletter that I just signed up for. Oh, he did? Uh, because he's really into mu like new music and stuff. 
and it's a great idea. He's he's basically just recommending a couple tracks for people to listen to who don't have the time to f- seek out new music who well, are that- like our age and stuff. So. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited about that. I I, like that you said our age. Thank you. (laughs) But no, I'm excited about that. And I do have that problem. And I'm really excited. That's that's a great heads up. We'll find out next week. You guys should listen next week, Thursday, 2 o'clock, okay? And Christian, uh, his special was great, too. I loved... I... No, I can't wait till next week, honestly. Yeah. But I want to talk about you, Chris. See, sure. this is so Chris. Cause, so, the, <laughs> so here's the thing about Chris. So I met Chris as... Um, so, okay, uh, I, okay, I'm trying to like think of how to do it like chronologically. <laughs> Here, I'm just going to tell you the last time I really had a lot of contact with Chris and then I'm just going to go into like uh, the general overall view. The last time I had contact with Chris was like in March 2020. Right around then. Yeah. Right before COVID. We had yeah. one meeting because um, I was hiring Chris it was right after you were on the radio. That's how it happened. You were on the radio and we were talking. Right. And I was like, I need Chris to help me get my shit together on this radio, on my radio show. And he did an amazing job. He really, and so much of it, Chris, was coaching. Do you know that? <laughs> I mean, you, you gave me all the tools. Yeah. But I, I mean, honestly, if I could have just afforded to like hire you and do the whole thing, I would have, but there was no way. Yeah. No, there, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things that I've worked on have, kind of just turned into that where I just meet with people like for an hour every week or every other week or whatever and just kind of advise them on their projects and it's kind of like a it's fun being thought of as a consultant who can just kind of advise people and a coach yeah and a coach right which brings brings me to talking about your personality so here's the thing about Chris that I'm really interested in so when I first met Chris he there's something about you, Chris, that, and I've been thinking about this since yesterday because I'm like, what am I going to talk to Chris about? You have, um, I don't know what it is. There's this combination of the um, friendliness and enthusiasm for other people and what they're doing and all that stuff and just a lot of and also the willingness to get your get your hand, feet wet hands dirty and pitch in and do what you can yeah but then you're also incredibly um self-effacing and humble i'm gonna say humble um and i think it is just the most charming Aww. charming quality ever and i think that people that know you I think I articulated that pretty well, yeah. actually. <laughs> no, I I'm thinking about that. it two days. <laughs> but um, so the thing is, here's the deal with Chris. So he has worked. He he is now he. So he started working with really major acts, comedians, and um, doing this PR. He he's a, he's a total self starter, and like cut to today. Where he has like a very, I'm going to say, I don't know, wait, I'm going to, I haven't gotten to see him. We're going to find out exactly. <laughs> he's, he didn't, he took the subway here. So he's not that rich yet. No. But he, and I also never take the subway anymore. So I kind of forgot. 
how much time I needed to get uh, from Queens to Brooklyn. See what I mean? He's like trying to apologize for not being here like 20 minutes <laughs> well, I ago. I think last time I came here, I misunderstood and thought I just had to be here at two or whatever time it was. Oh, uh, And then this time I was like, I'm going to get there a half hour early as she requested and then just. But do you see what I mean? He feels bad. <laughs> he actually gives a fuck. This is what I'm trying to say. Most people, this is what most people, I shouldn't say most people, but this is what like. You know, somebody who's as I'm going to say as successful as Chris is might do. Um, they'd show up. They'd be like, they know that I want them here at one thirty. They'd be here maybe a quarter to, maybe ten to. They would, they would, they would never apologize sincerely. And then a year later, two years, three years later, they would have forgotten that they were late <laughs> at all. I forgot it, Chris. Why are you bringing that up? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to wow. bring up bad memories. No, no, no. It makes me like you more. <laughs> it makes me like you because you can't, you actually, it mattered. You cared that you were late. Oh, of course. I'm never, I mean, I mean, I feel like I was, I was late today because I planned on being here at 1.30, but uh, I always try to be really, I always try to be punctual and with online you know mostly everything i do now is just online mm -hmm. it's like i i very rarely leave the vicinity of my apartment and uh so i'm like especially online meetings i'm like i'm i'm always like five minutes early because i yeah. don't really have an excuse it's right. like so this is the other thing about chris you want to get coaching from him because he he's kind of like a little bit of this gold standard of best practices. I'm oh. really getting you work here. I better get a commission on this. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I mean, anybody. Chris is like the most. Chris is really. So anyway, uh, you know, he's always on time. He's efficient. He gets things. You know, he's like, if I had a lot of money, I would totally hire him to like do everything for me. But I don't. And Chris <laughs> has got much better gigs. So the thing is, Chris, um, what I want to talk to you about today is that. And uh, I want to talk to you um, about because uh, so in the last time when I was working with Chris in twenty March twenty twenty we haven't really seen each other or had like a long conversation but I have seen his career really like the online thing for you man because Chris got involved with a lot of big players he's going to I don't know who they, I don't know much about them they're like. <laughs> You know, they're like people that have like huge rabbit fan followings that um, have to do with areas yeah. that I don't know anything about. But the thing is, is I want to find out how Chris has navigated his stellar rise <laughs> and whether he's still remained a decent human being and how he's held on to that without how has Chris gotten this successful and still re and like. I want to see uh, not still remain a nice guy because he, he he that's why he's successful. But I just want to talk about that. So Chris, um, you may let's just say this: you developed this. All this is your own doing, and it does have to do, I believe, with your connections, your ability to connect in a special way, the way I just described with some very um, talented people, right? Yeah, I mean it's. It all really came from, you know, you and I met right around the same time I started doing stand-up. 
which is like seven yeah, years. Yeah, we were in a class together. Yeah, so, and was it the first? Because I know I took a couple classes with Carol. I can't remember if you were in you the You had first. already done one. Right, right, I right. was in the, sec- the second one. I did one. Um, I mean, so from there, like, almost instantly, I got really into the idea of, like, I've always been into the idea of, like, producing live entertainment. You know, I played in a lot of bands, and I just, I've always had this kind of, like, just sort of natural understanding of how a live performance should play out, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and also just like how to get people excited about whatever event I'm putting on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I produced my first stand up show at QED. Everything is dumb, like just a few months into uh, me doing stand up. And then from there, like, I, I instantly. I started, I met like, well, obviously Carol Montgomery there, but then also David Feldman, who's a really great podcaster, writer, who, uh, through him, I also met Frank Conniff uh, from Mystery Science Theater, who's doing a lot of stuff at QED too. And it's like, I look back at the people I'm working with now and can all just be directly traced back to like my first times, like stepping on stage and doing open mics and just being like, why is Frank Conniff doing this small show in my neighborhood? Like, this is so surreal. And like, now I know him. It it was all like very, uh, just growing up as a mystery science theater fan, it was like, oh, this is like, this is awesome. Like, this is what show business is. Like, (laughs) I'm like doing open mics two months in and I'm already like hanging out with Frank Conniff. So, um, yeah, see, that's, that's like, so you were already like prepared, like it was a good match. Yeah. But, also, um, I wanted to ask you, I didn't realize that you had already do, done music. Yeah, I'd played in bands. Um, I started playing drums in high school, like just for fun. And then in college, I was in a band called The Barons that I, I formed with my mm-hmm. friends uh, in but were you Sorry to interrupt you. Were you? I interrupt a lot. I always no, forgot to tell you that. Um, big. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, did you do a lot? I mean, you're successful at producing shows and getting people i mean you're successful but you that's one thing you're good at is so did you have a lot of success producing um shows with your band did you get were you good at getting people to show up no No? and that's why that's kind of why like i decided to at a certain point you know my band broke up in like 2012 2013 or something and then there was just a few years where i wasn't really i think i was playing i was playing guitar and other bands but it wasn't the same it was more like hobby it wasn't until i got into stand-up where I was like, oh, I can, I can attempt to make a living at performing or producing versus there's just a much smaller pool of talent, um, which sounds crazy in New York City because there's just thousands and thousands of comedians, but there's just a much, much smaller pool of talent of people who are like brave enough to get on stage and try to tell jokes. Then there are people who play in bands and want to get their, you know, they want their band to make it. Like I played in a band, I played drums in a band in New York city for about 10 years. And like, I, you know, we, we had fun and I, you know, I'm proud of the music we produced and Mm -hmm. stuff, but we never got to that point where it was just like strangers coming to see us because they heard we were a good band, you know, right, right. it's like, it's so impossible. And I really, you know, I feel for musicians in New York city because there's just so much competition and there's so many good people here who are trying to make it. And it's just like, uh, it's, it's it's insane like you, you think about like of course it's really hard to make it up as a stand-up comedian but 
you know, again, like two months in, I was already mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. shows and Janine Garofalo okay, was back, popping Back in. to you, back yeah. to you. So yeah. anyway, so <laughs> I, I, uh, we only have an hour, Chris. I have Sorry. to be strict on this. <laughs> Um, I just mean it's it to me it initially seemed so way pragmatically easier. you were like this is something I was that like, this I is like can a path get. I can actually get some success in right right um, right it felt right and also I I want to make sure we give it like a huge shout out to QED and Cambry oh, yeah. Cruz and Christian Finnegan and let's say it got a, it got voted the best. Uh, comedy club in New York City by Time Out, which is a huge honor for 2000. And this, this, the most recent one, it was like a month or two ago. I don't know what yeah. year exactly. I don't know. Uh, probably 22. Uh, and what's the address of it? Do you know? Uh, 2716 23rd Ave. Okay. In Astoria. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So I want to succinctly hear about the shows that you, so you're producing. Producing. So yeah, it's weird when so the, the pandemic happened, um, and I was working with Kevin Allison at Risk, the the storytelling podcast, because uh, they were at the time when I started working for them, which was about a year prior. They were touring all over the all over the globe doing live shows, and I was doing their publicity for them. The pandemic happened, and it was almost like instantly like we have to do this online because all of our jobs depend on it (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. so it wasn't really like a question it was like we have to figure out how to do this online which at the same time everyone else was also trying to figure out how to do but that first risk show i think was like march 26 2020 and it was like they sold like 400 tickets or or something to that it was a huge success the new york times uh wrote about it forbes wrote about it um I remember because we were working together then. It was like really, and it was like, I mean, the show Risk is is an amazing show and very, very popular, but the amount of tickets you sold was just like out of the park. Well, it was nuts just after that one show. I remember just talking to uh, JC and Kevin and it was like, wait, if we can do this online once a month, that'll get us through whatever this is. Like we had no idea. We thought it would be a couple months maybe. Um, But then that kind of like, planted the seed in my head like oh maybe i i could uh, you know pre-pandemic i was producing four or five shows at qed um between like stand-up shows and i was doing a show with frank conniff there and um and just a a couple other random uh movie riffing shows and stuff but frank emailed frank conniff emailed me in like may of 2020 to see if i would be able to bring their touring show online so that they could just do it online. Cause they, Frank Conniff and Trace Bill, are both from mystery science theater. They, they played the Mads in the original incarnation and in 2012, 2013 or something, they started touring doing live movie riffing like all around the country. And that's how they've been making their living, you know, since then. So they suddenly had no live shows and they're like, Hey, Chris, do you think like maybe you could figure out how to do this online? And I was honestly, I told Frank, I was like, I honestly don't know. Like, I don't know if it'll work. I'll have to look into it. Um, and my, I think back to like my initial thoughts to when he sent me that email, which was like, I, I can't handle this. I'm just going to see if I know someone else who can help him out. <laughs> and I think back to that. I'm like, thank God I 
didn't pass it off to someone else because I would have been so jealous. This is where the growth is, folks. This <laughs> yeah. is the growth. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I just would have been like, and, you know, I would have been happy for, for Frank and I probably would have, you know, who knows? Like, would have but you, you, were else, a but. Fan, you were a genuine fan and in your age mm-hmm. group, there aren't, a, there can't be. Aren't it's you? definitely an older demographic yeah. they have, but they, you know, Mystery Science Theater, they just had a really successful Kickstarter campaign and they raised like six million dollars or something and there is a much there are there is a younger generation of mr science theater oh, okay. fans That's coming good up to know. Uh, i mean be, it was originated it was on the air in my day it, yeah it was on but in, now in the it's 90s a cult or not even a cult but it's 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 maintained it's it's a classic it's, it's a, classic. a classic and the the fans are just so overwhelmingly yeah. supportive and yeah just such a great yeah community and uh they initially like the the initial response to it was just like oh like I think we put tickets on sale and uh, we um, like I almost immediately sold like six hundred tickets or something <laughs> and then it was like it's like oh wow people really like this we should maybe do this every month and then I think once we hit like the thousand ticket mark we we're like yeah let's just do this every month because this is it's unreal and um. And then I think by show night, we sold something like 2,800 tickets. And we were just like, yeah, we're, this is going to get us through whatever. So you know, was Frank is. like, he He must have been like, what What was his We response? were all just like in shock because none of us had ever done any live streaming before. Um, you know, obviously that sounds like an overnight success thing. They are lucky enough that they already had a really devoted cult following. Like I, I don't, you know... Um, I don't want that to be, I don't want that to get lost. Like I just came in and was no, like, oh yeah, no. we sold 3,000. See what I said, self-effacing. <laughs> so the thing is though, that it was like a perfect match because you were already teaching, you were like a crack podcast, podcast right. like instructor. Yeah, I was teaching so, podcasting. Yeah, so you already had like the juice for that. And uh, Frank is smart and he knew who to get. I mean, I think. He knew who to get. Yeah, I mean, he and I had already worked together a bunch and um you know he's like he's one of my comedy heroes and i think between like like working with him uh and dave hill, dave hill. the the two and carol montgomery too but like yeah. they've all kind of you know because i met them very early in doing stand-up and they all treated me with such kindness and respect and we're all so just supportive of me and the idea of me doing like comedy or anything and that kind of just ingrained in my head like oh these people that i really look up to they um the way they treat me is how i would want to treat anyone else who i come across because it just it made me feel so like uh just appreciated and like supported uh so i kind of took that as like, well, that has to be my ethos. Like I have to be super kind and I have to, you know, I, I never send Dave an email that he doesn't reply to. So I'm like, if anyone emails me, I have to reply to it because the amount of respect he shows for just randos who email, him, which I was one of those people like, you know, 10 years ago, I was just like a fan of Dave's. And I was like, you know, I was just write him like, like, Hey, your, your episode. And you talked about 
Robin Williams and depression really meant a lot to me. And I just hope you know that. And of course, like within 20 minutes, he writes back oh. like, oh, thanks so much. I really appreciate that. Now, D- Dave is Dave is a hero of mine, too. Dave Hill. I mean, you guys, if you guys know him or, or whatever, he's a really he's so talented. In yeah. So many. Yeah. So he's, many things. You know, like I like he was definitely just such a huge inspiration to me. But after working together, you be he and I have been working together yeah. pretty closely for like five years yeah. now. Like he's just become such a a mentor and friend to me. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I never would have thought that would happen. <laughs> like just as a fan, like I'm like looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like Dave and I like text each other every day. That's that's really see crazy. what I'm saying. <laughs> see what I'm saying. It's so uh, it's surreal. I mean, it's always surreal and i i kept thinking like oh maybe i'll get over that and then i mean it's still like now that i'm working with with trace and frank like two people who i grew up watching on tv i'm like oh it's never going to stop feeling like really exciting that i get to work and you're with still people. and you're still and you're on the shows too well that's the other thing is that i when frank asked me to produce it i had zero intention of appearing on screen i was like it's their show you know, they don't need a host. I can just introduce them. I'll put the movie on. And then at the Q&A, I was like, I'll moderate the Q&A. And um, so, like, I didn't even have my camera on in the first half of that show. And then we come back from the Q&A and I put my camera on just because it seemed weird to just have this, like, this this voice moderating questions. And I wasn't on screen. Um, and then people really were, like, just very a lot of people were joking that i look like jonah ray in that first episode <laughs> they're like wait is is chris actually jonah was this all a ruse or something and uh the fans were just so thankful that they were able to watch this live thing happen and like i was just getting overwhelmed with emails and tweets of people just saying how great the show was and um i was like well we're doing it again. Like I should maybe take a more like hosting uh-huh. role to it. And, and then from there I just got more and more comfortable on screen. But like we started rerunning these, the initial episodes. And when I watch myself, I'm like, Oh my oh, God, yeah. I'm like, I'm so uncomfortable. And you're on um, Dave's show a lot too, right? Yeah. I mean, and even you're on all the shows that you do pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Now I am when, it, but when we were doing pre pandemic, I never, um, mm-hmm. I never appeared on camera in any of Dave's episodes and we were, you know, it was a podcast. So we would just record and I would just be at his apartment, right. like sitting in the corner. But right. once it was necessary for me to be on camera, I just got more and more comfortable with that. And now, um, I mean, I love it. I love being on D- Dave and I do the Dave Feel Good Time Era every Monday at 8 p.m. And, um, uh, and I love like appearing on camera yeah. and I love hosting the Mads now. And now Mary Jo Peel and I are, <laughs> that. that's another Wait, show. Wait, who's Mary Jo Peel? So Mary Jo Peel was also on Mystery Science Theater. She was one of the oh, writers. from that. Yeah, show. she was one of the writers early on. And then she became like the main antagonist after Trace Beaulieu left. Mm-hmm. She played uh, his mom, Pearl Forrester, on Mystery Science Theater. And then she's been involved with so much just, uh, other comedy stuff so, and yeah uh, so this is what i'm saying like your 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 enthusiasm this is what i this is part of your charm chris is what i'm telling you it's this like huge enthusiasm um that you maintain it's really really authentic really genuine for these people and and as well i can, it's not like it's hard to understand i totally get it yeah but um I think that 
it's just just such a great vibe that it's a great vibe that it's a great combination of back i'm thinking of like back and forth yeah. you know like a, it's like a full circle oh yeah of, totally i mean it's a full circle of positivity yeah i mean they inspire me and then i think it just and you would probably inspire back. them but yeah. you won't say that i think you make them feel com- i think you liking them helps them feel confident i yeah mary joe has has said that to me that just my um you know a lot of our meetings because like she and i like talk all the time mm-hmm. you know, um mm-hmm. and a lot of our meetings it's just like us hanging out for like an hour like <laughs> talking about stuff but it it feels very much you know i think just having each other keeps us both motivated and like well, oh but we have to get this done by this point and we stay you know we don't want to disappoint each other. So it's very much like right. we ha- we always bring our A-game. Right. And, um, but I also think that um, one of the things that I learned from what from thinking about this with you mm-hmm. is that um, we people we look up to, um, we that we hold in high regard often don't see themselves that way and actually could need help, need need some emotional support and you're not doing it because you're like, I'm going to be supportive. You just really, you have this enthusiasm. Yeah. I mean, I also, and you're smart. It's not just like some guy going, Oh my God, this is so good. (laughs) I mean, there is also something I think in show business, there's such an emphasis on young new talent and who's, who's like the hottest new stand-up comedian, like who's going to get their uh, Netflix special next or whatever. And I, just in seeing how Frank and Trace work, you know, two guys like in their sixties and seeing how absolutely hilarious they both still are. And to me at the top of their game, as far as like writing and just their comedic timing and everything. Uh, And then the same thing with, with Mary Jo, I'm I'm like, why, why aren't more people paying attention to how absolutely funny these people are who have been doing this for decades? Mm -hmm. Uh, I was like, what can I do to like prop these people up? Yeah, because they're so I'm saying like you get it. Yeah, they're so they're just there's just so much talent that gets ignored. And a lot of that, I think, is is the ageism and just, you know, the politics of like, oh, if you know, you know, a couple thousand people might read this article on Vulture about the Mads, but 20 billion people are going to read this article about this hot new artist or this you know, the latest Joe Rogan controversy Mm -hmm. or something. So there just seems to be so much emphasis on like, is, I mean, and that's just the world. Like there's so much emphasis on clicks and getting people to Mm -hmm. go to these websites, but. But don't you, I mean, I also think, and this isn't just about age or this period in culture or anything. I think that generally, um, as long as, as I can, you know, can remember, um, the things that I've liked often that are a little bit offbeat mm-hmm. just never get that kind of attention. Right. And that's that big, big, huge, huge, huge attention. Like I've always, I've told Dave Hill so many times that like he would be a great, like I would much rather have Dave Hill than Jimmy Fallon any oh, day. Oh, yeah. Like any day. I, it still blows my mind that he's never done a, a stand up set on, um, 
on any network. Is that right? I didn't <laughs> even know that. No, I mean, that, and that's an, I mean, he's another example too. It's like he's so funny. He's Davis, like, amazing. Yeah, he, why he's is he one not? Of my hero. Yeah, I know, and I've said that too. What do you think it is? Is Dave? Is Dave? Is I wonder if Dave's really is Dave not aggressive about pushing himself? He's, or? Well, no, he's not. Admittedly, he's is not. that. Do you think yeah. like if he was know. more? I don't know how much that hurts him because he does have a huge following, but he does. I mean, like let, we're, we're talking like he's super like he gets recognized when you go on. on oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he has. A yeah. Huge, we were walking around in Portland and yeah. people driving by were like yeah. yelling at let, him. No, <laughs> but but we we want him to be like he should. Yeah. We want to be like visiting him or you would probably i don't know he probably let me come by his like big house in 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 the beverly hills <laughs> yeah dave you let me come by you would for sure you'd let me in he's always so friendly he, he's he's not, i mean he really taught me just like a lesson in being humble because he never wants to like you mentioned like oh that was so cool that i heard your song like on the emmys and he's like oh yeah that was awesome <laughs> but it's never like it's almost like it doesn't even phase him but, at this point. But I don't know if it is. A, I I you know what I don't know if it is a good lesson because if you're <laughs> look look at Dave he's 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 Dave Hill but he's not what you know what I'm saying. This is partly what I'm interested in is like how nice people. But yeah. so I was actually wondering like in the past year you've become past two years you've become like way way more successful. I mean you're still a very young man. He has no gray hair. He's a very young man. He just oh, lost I a do. lot of weight. He looks great. <laughs> My um, beard got much grayer during the pandemic. Did. It doesn't yeah. look like it. <laughs> um and I wonder if you've had how you've dealt with it like cuz I see you as self-effacing and generous and nice and I wonder if you've had to become tougher or if you see yourself differently or any of that, have you had to do that or no, I mean, I, um, I'm, I've the entire time I've been so thankful that I've been able to pay my rent, uh, by producing comedy, which is like, was always my dream. You know, it's always my goal was like, I want to do this full time. Um, and, you know, pre-pandemic, it was getting to that point, but I was still having, to, you know, I'm still running the door QED and still taking on a lot of freelance projects. And my goal is always to just focus on my own stuff and make a living from that. And so, like, the past few, I've just been, th- like, every month, I'm just so thinking, I'm like, oh, my God, like, how, like, I, and I have to remind myself that, like, even if people, you know, sometimes I'll get, like, you know, people are frustrated if they can't get into the show. It's rare, but yeah. I'll sometimes get an email and I'm like, I have to remind myself, like, these people are paying my rent. Like, I can't, <laughs> like, I have to, like, treat them and, you know, I have to be respectful of them so much. And uh, so, but honestly, like, the 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 fans that we have are just so overwhelmingly friendly and chill and cool mm-hmm. and we've had like zero mm-hmm. issues with anyone mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. being like weird on so you know <laughs> i do i have to get into the habit of i have to turn off like google alerts for my name because now my name will pop up in like message boards and stuff oh really people talking about you that's hilarious it's weird like though because it, it, like mystery science theater fans like they very much want to like express their opinion about everything. So there's like these blogs and stuff where people will review episodes of the Mads or mm. Mary Jo Peel. And I have to stop 
reading those because like I get very much obsessed with what people might be like saying about me in dark corners of the internet. And I'm like, I have to like, this is so stupid. Like, why am I even paying attention to this? But, but that, yeah, that is something I've noticed. I never, I never really cared about that stuff prior because no one was really mentioning my name randomly. But right. now that like there are people on this planet who like know who I am and I, you know, I might not know who they are. Mm-hmm. There is this kind of weird, like, um, like I'm starting to see that side of show business where even if you're, you know, loved by a lot of people, there's always going to be people who have to shit on you for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like I read someone refer to me as hipster Gersbeck on some board. That's the other hilarious. Day. Hipster Gersbeck. <laughs> and it was like, I think it, in the context of it was like hipster Gersbeck needs to learn about audio compression. And it was like the most, I was just like. All morning, I was like, "What? Like, I I know about audio compression." Oh like, my what? god, it affected you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think everyone. I mean, everyone. You know, you hear like you. You know, I'm always amazed. You know, like how you know um, these celebrities, these really big celebrities, they're always talking about that. It bothers them. I mean, I, I yeah, I see. I mean, I understand it. Like even you know people ragging on mm-hmm. pete davidson and i'm like yeah but he's also a human who's reading all these horrible things people are saying and, about him yeah like, and and <laughs> i think people just don't understand that and everybody's so accessible no i think also people assume you know that that these people aren't ever going to read those comments and it's like yeah we mm-hmm. we have access to the same internet you know you guys <laughs> we all have the same so <laughs> you you are really you're you're like you're like you're like the way you you look at the people you're working with, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm Chris Gersbeck. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, it's more just... You're grateful. You're grateful. I'm very more grateful. Humbleness, more humbleness. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what's changed the most is just I, I'm you appreciate like... appreciate what you've gotten. Yeah, and then I'm just, um, you know, it's only it's only been growing, which is is crazy. And I, I, I do take a moment, you know, uh, hopefully I take a moment every day to just appreciate the fact that like I'm... I get, I make a living sitting in my apartment, like making people laugh, which is not many people can say right, can say right. that. Even like touring comedians, they can't do that. So right, it's, right. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's the only thing that's, uh, I feel like I'm just. It's inspiring, isn't it, folks? It's really, <laughs> it really is. Um, so like, I was wondering, like, I wonder, like when I first, I'm like, I want to ask about your self-esteem without having to um, really say exactly how did, cause so did you, what is your, how has like your success affected your self-esteem? Did you have, cause I think you had like part of being humble is having some self-doubt. Right. Um, I'm just, yeah. you know what? I'm totally projecting. I'm just going to say, I'm somebody who struggles violently with self doubt. So <laughs> I need to know, like, how, like, do you have it? Has oh, it? Yeah. Have ha, Have you been working through it? Does being successful help you? I need to know. Help me out. <laughs> no, I mean, total counter. That is something that Dave. I learned from Dave long ago. Was no matter how successful you are you're not going to feel like it's you're always going to feel like there's some element of you that's like failing. Is that how Dave is? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he'd mind me saying that because uh-huh. he's, and and he said the same thing because he knows like he's friends with Dick Cavett and he'll like talk to Dick Cavett and Dick Cavett will, 
basically say the same thing like oh everything i do is garbage no one likes me <laughs> i know I, I mean i don't know dave really well but he like i said he's really i mean i you know i mean i'm i'm mostly like in awe of him so i i can't actually like spend that much time with him because i just but i um really appreciate him and admire him and have spent you know he hung out with like me and phil we were at pine box he performed he hung out with us like a half an hour oh yeah like the greatest guy but i've always thought that about him like he's somebody that just has no clue like <laughs> no matter what and i find that really i think he, remarkable I like think, un- hard to believe i've never seen anybody so successful that doesn't understand that is that what he's like yeah i mean he like uh, he and i have had so many conversations where it's one of us basically talking the other off the ledge because we just like we're, we both just get so so kind of obsessed with any like minor criticisms or like any it's uh i don't know it's it's weird but seeing him kind of like get in a weird way like seeing like oh well he's like like i wish i had this amount of success success that he had like i hope one day i can have that amount of success but at the same time seeing him be like super miserable because you know he didn't sell enough tickets to something Mm -hmm is like that kind of humbles me so it's like oh like you know even all the way at the top you can still feel like garbage Mm -hmm. (laughs) so kind of like (laughs) that's what i want to know you just have to like i don't know just take a moment to appreciate you know what you have and just be grateful for it don't don't you think that it really helps you build like a really um I don't want to say strong, powerful, meaningful, satisfying bond with, I mean, with Dave and then um, also other people. Like, you know, I was thinking about like, you know, when I see you with your nephew, mm-hmm. like I often think like there's something about the love that you have for that kid yeah. that you, that just comes through. My niece and nephew. And you just, like- you don't see that. <laughs> you don't see that a lot. Yeah. You know? So you really appreciate other people? I do, yeah. And where does that come from? Did your family hate you? No. <laughs> that's not even funny. No, no my, but I mean like what do you think that's from? Um my parents have always been really supportive of me and that has like kept up my self-esteem thinking like, oh well, like maybe I do you know, I I I meet other people in show business whose parents want nothing to do with them or have just been horrible or just like could not care less how much success they had. And, uh, my parents have always been like very, you know, they, when I was producing in-person shows, they would try to come to every single thing. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, it's the opposite of that. Your parents, your parents were really supportive. Yeah. My, you know, when I was doing stand up, they would try to come see me when I was doing random sets around the city and stuff. Oh my God. so they've always been um that's always been a part of you know just uh, I'm very much appreciative that I have that amount of support in wow. my in my family. Um So okay, no, so I'm like okay, his family loves him. He's smart, he's talented, he's got an amazing I think, you know, from everything I 
get from you and Tracy, your wife? I mean, you got married Jen- like Jennifer. Yeah. Jennifer. Why did I say Tracy? I don't know. <laughs> That's the other woman. No, you and your wife are It'd be funny also- if I didn't correct you and you- my wife heard this and thought <laughs> something was up. <laughs> no, she would just know I was an idiot. But because she has met me. No, I mean, you guys are really close. Like you guys seem, you know, like and you 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 know, you fell in love young and you've been really committed as a young, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you seem really good at having relationships. So where is the self-esteem problem? You have all this love and support. (laughs) My problem is that I will find the one person who doesn't care about, like who seemingly does not care about anything I'm doing and just focus on that. Like it doesn't matter that I had 3,000 people watching me on YouTube the night before. It's like, why didn't my brother respond to this and say, oh, that was a good job you did there, you know? So was was your brother, was there somebody growing up that was dif- that was difficult? Uh, no, not really. I mean, we, he and I have always been really competitive, so I think that's part mm-hmm. of it. Um, and I mean, he's super successful and he's got a wife and two amazing kids and that's like his own, mm-hmm. his own level what does he of do? success. Uh, he now he's basically doing what I do, but on a like a corporate level, oh. like making sure he was in charge of um, these uh, presentations kind of going off for of, like investors and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. he, he was in charge of making sure that those went on, uh, you know, in person at conferences and stuff. And then everything moved online in the pandemic. So he's basically doing that oh, you know, from home. Okay, So um, you guys are both talented that way. Yeah, we're both good at we're both good at like tech type of stuff but also just like figuring out how to make something happen and taking charge and just making it work yeah yeah just like figuring it out yeah i think that probably comes Uh from my my mom is just such a uh like a manager like she always has like the most efficient plan and knows the way to do it what does she do what do your parents do (laughs) they were both uh my mom was a manager at uh jp morgan uh, like project manager. And she also, I think she managed admins, uh, like a, a team of administrative assistants there. And then my dad was the project manager for Citigroup for like 30 something years. Wow. Before he wow. So they're both very much like, like, uh, even though they always ingrained a very strong work ethic into us, but also just, um, very much <laughs> like, to manage all your projects. Yeah. Like take the, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, it's don't wait for someone else to do something. Just mm. if you want something done and you like, you have to take the charge on it. And that's always kind of been, I think, ingrained in me. And like, I'm saying this now for like the first time, but I'm seeing like, oh, that's where I get it from. It's I, I see how things can be. And I try to make that, you know, happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you do really well in school? Were you, no. It seems like you were always a kid with the A. You that no. seems like a, <laughs> a like a perfect storm of A's. What no. what you did? You, what what happened in school? I just didn't. I was just not interested in anything other than like comic books and movies and, mm-hmm. and stuff. Did you and, get? Like you didn't get great grades. How did your parents? I did fine in like elementary school and mm-hmm. in junior high and high school. I started getting more into music and mm-hmm. stuff and just started like in high school. I just I just started cutting class and stuff. I just was I had like zero interest in I wanted to play in a band and like tour the world. So how do your stuff. parents, your supportive parents deal with that? Your supportive, efficient managerial they were parents. supportive of the of the music, but they were always like, but you have to get an education and you have to go to college and get a degree. And they were, 
they always use the example of the talking heads is like, look, they all went to college and got their degrees. And then, <laughs> the talking heads <laughs> like is they a great needed, example. Yeah, they need something to fall back on. Uh-huh. And um, that, you know, I, I knew that I was going to have to go to school. And like, I look back, I'm like, I, I'm so fascinated with history and science now as an adult that I'm like, why didn't I pay attention to this more? And in school's like, I was learning about really interesting stuff and I just could not care less about it. Um, yeah, they make you remember the dates and the names, and that's the right. worst, it worst of it. Always so yeah, boring. They, they to make me. it boring. They take something fascinating. And they just yeah. But um, so but did you still feel like they were um supportive of you, or did you have conflict? There were a couple times where I remember there was <laughs> there was one time I think I was like fifteen or sixteen or something, and I got into some huge fight with my parents. I don't even remember about what, but I had that Saturday night, a gig with my band and they were basically forbidding me from going. I was like grounded or whatever. And I just went and, and played with the band anyway. And, uh, you know, but they were like really pissed that I just like completely ignored them. But but my, but my, my response to that was like, well, you know, you've always taught me I have to like, fulfill my commitments and I had a commitment to the band and what was I going to do just let them play without me like that would have been horrible (laughs) it's like I had to stick to my uh, commitment Uh, and I think that they did kind of appreciate that even though they were still Uh pissed at me but uh, yeah no they were always supportive I think they just wanted to make sure that like you know my homework was done before I pursued right. you didn't go the off arts. the rails yeah you didn't go off the rails yeah so what do you think um the biggest conflict that you had growing up was um that might have been <laughs> might have been it. it was just, I was just had I had zero interest in school getting good grades or anything mm-hmm. like I was so dedicated to art like i really my 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 dream as a kid was to be a comic book artist because mm. i just loved comic books so much and mm. i i knew i wanted to do something either in that or in movies like i was very much into like making my own home movies and stuff and uh so i knew i was gonna have like i wanted to do something in that field but it also you know growing up seeing my mom and my dad work these just you know these office jobs that allowed them to support a family but weren't the most exciting mm. uh you know was, probably weren't the most exciting career to me like as a kid looking at them mm. I was like oh they're just kind of working like these nine to five jobs um so i think there was always this part of me it was like well i can do that stuff i can work in an office and then in the evening do whatever else mm-hmm. i have to do and that's what mm-hmm. i did for so long up until um 20 17 i think i quit my job at bank of america to just i i hard to believe you at bank of america it's yeah i was there for so long good for you though frank you know i give people credit having a job to support your art is really important and you got to do what you got to do no one's too good for anything you guys no i mean the the jobs that i had allowed me to do the stuff that i'm doing now um yeah and also the fact that you could do it you could take care of yourself you're mm -hmm. young yeah. You know, you must have been in your 20s when you were working there, right? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I started when I was like 23 or 24 or something and then worked there for like nine years. But Yeah, so you you like, yeah, you did it, man. You yeah, did what I mean, you had to do. I did, yeah. I didn't, and even when I 
left that job to work at QED full time, I knew I was like going to be struggling <laughs> for a few years, like financially, because just, you know, the amount I was making at like this huge bank was, uh, was very comfortable, mm -hmm. but I was so miserable there. And I knew my wife understood, like, I couldn't just keep, like, it wasn't me. How old were you know. guys when you got married? Um, I was 30, so you got married, 31. Mm -hmm. when I got married. Mm -hmm. um, but how when how long have you guys been together? We've been together since I was like 22, 23. Yeah, so have you lived together since then? <laughs> yeah, we've... Pretty much? Um, I mean, you've had each other. Forget about how long you've been married. You guys have like been a couple. Yeah, for... we, we met in 05, mm -hmm. and then we moved in together like a year and a half after that. And we've... Yeah, it's always just been the two of us ever since. Um, so you sort of de had developed your life plan as you went along together kind of yeah and she's you know doing uh she's going to school to become a grief counselor right now really that's intense um, yeah it's something that came up during the pandemic actually and she started taking these online courses and sort of saw a path to get her certificate did she have a particular difficult incident um her mother passed away in 2012 and um her mom was only like 63, mm -hmm. I think, and Jen was 35 at the time. So it was very, and her and her mom were just so close and it was just yeah. such a. It was, was it a, sudden or a longer? It wasn't sudden per se, but uh, it was a few really rough months mm -hmm. leading up to the end. And, mm -hmm. um, and she doesn't, she's an only child. Oh. Uh, she doesn't. Her mom had uh, siblings, but they're all, they're like six of them. They're all spread out across the country. So it was really just me and Jen and my parents were at the time were very helpful. Oh, that's good. I say at the time, like they stopped being No, helpful. no, but they were there for her. <laughs> they were too. really, yeah, yeah they. It was tough and you guys were all, the whole family. Was yeah, there. it was, um, it was oh, hard it and it really, it changed, you know, you know, death changes everyone's perspective on life, but that I think she realized uh, through going through grief counseling and stuff, how important it was to have people who can right. support people who are going through these traumatic experiences. And uh, if she can provide that for someone else, then that's, you know, like the ultimate goal. So, you know, um, I wanted to ask you one, we, I wanted to ask you one more question about um, speaking of Jen and how supportive she is. This is what I want. Um, so this is another counter transference question. Um, with my self-esteem issues, um, I get mad at my husband because he doesn't relate. I mean, it's my husband is great. He's incredibly tolerant and kind and generous. I can't say enough good things about him, but yeah. I am a pain in the ass, and he can be too. I am a real pain in the ass. So I don't feel like he identifies with self-esteem issues. Does your wife when I when I when I really I mean he's there like if I am really in a crunch and I'm I and I just can't find somebody with a self-esteem problem that I can, that relates to me, I will go to him and he'll be there. But does Jennifer relate to your self-esteem issues? Yeah. I mean, I feel bad that she has to deal with it as much as she does because I'm just a constant, like, I am constantly doubting myself. And, but, like, I, I also am, like, um, you know, she is so supportive and she's, always, like, while I'm producing something, I'm always, like, giving her, like, sneak peeks and stuff. But then, you know, the show will air or something and then she won't ask to see the final product oh, or yeah, something. Right. And then I'll be, like... 
I'm like, wait, like you didn't even want to watch I know, it. Like, I I'll know. focus on that. And it's like she held my hand for like weeks putting this thing together. Like I can let her off the hook and <laughs> she doesn't watch this. No, I'm way. exactly like that. I said to my husband yesterday, I mean, you don't even want to see these paintings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you didn't even ask me about them. <laughs> it's hard. It, I worked on them for a month. <laughs> right. It's, and it is hard because it's like your partner. You want them to be so excited for everything you do, but. But um, does, does Jennifer, like what I'm thinking is like, in a way, I think that, I'm I like there's part of me that wishes like my husband also had self-esteem issues. So at least he would be like as neurotic as I am. But on the other hand, I think the fact that he doesn't have self-esteem issues is probably a great way to go because somebody's got to have their shit to, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, so does, does um, Jennifer have self-esteem issues in the way that you do? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, that's, and we're both very well aware of that and supportive of each other because of that. You know, I'm always, um, it, it's another thing. Like I wish I paid more attention in school about this stuff, but like, I'm, I'm like endlessly fascinated with the stuff that she's learning about death and dying. Yeah. And just, like, me has, too. You know, yeah, us as like a, get her on. as a as a culture, think of death mm-hmm. and and everything. Um, but I, you know, she has been the only reason I was able to pursue comedy full time is because she had a job uh, where we could get on her health insurance right. that allowed me to leave Bank of America and right. start my comedy career. Um, and I have to remind her that constantly. I was like, "You're going to school to do something that you love." I know you don't like your day job now, but it's going to, you're on the path to getting, getting somewhere. Right. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's, we're really both just very supportive of each other. Does she have self doubt? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as bad as yours. I don't think, no, no, right. No, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's any, anyone in the arts, I think, has. Well, you're element. also like, you're, yeah, I mean, we got to, we got to make a distinction there. I mean, you, what you're doing, um, is highly risky, highly, mm-hmm. highly risky. Let's not forget, you know, mm-hmm. you're making a business on your own, you're on air. Oh, yeah. Right, you I know, mean, whatever you're doing is scary. It, at any moment, people could totally lose interest in what I'm doing. And that is like terrifying because <laughs> it's not. It's it'd be nice to think like, oh, I can I can just make a living producing live streams for the Mads, but that's not gonna last forever. You know, Well, you have really solid skills. I also think in a certain way, um, you have a variety of skills, which is a good good thing. Like if you I think what's scary is if you're a performer or something like that or any kind of you know, musician, visual artist and you have like a heyday and then you're like mm-hmm. oh, like the thing about um all the projects that you're involved in, they're so classic. They're, 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 they're authentic and they have integrity and, uh, and they lasted. And, uh, I, I'm going to put you in that boat too. There you go. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is good. It made me, you made me see you cheered me up. I don't feel so (laughs) bad about feeling bad about myself. This is great. Um, I we have a minute and a half left, and I want to remind people to listen to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Um, Dr. Lisa gives a shit. I'm at um, I'm I'm on all the the social medias as Dr. Lisa Levy SP. 
get get our newsletter, get our donate money. It's hard to ask, you know, with so much going on. Donate money. You know what? Donate money to the Ukraine right now. I can't yes. ask for money for this station, even though we desperately need it. I just can't even think about that. And I want I'm going to give the last 30 seconds over to you, Chris. Tell us all your social media stuff and everything. Like, uh, just go. Everything Dumb Industries related is at Dumb Industries. And then my personal stuff is at C.S. Gersbeck. And, and the shows you you work on. Yeah, you can go to uh, dumb-industries.com. The three shows that we have right now are uh, The Mads Are Back, Mary Jo Peel Show, and The Dave Hill Good Time Hour. And... Um, Hopefully, I think yeah. we're adding a few more this year. So, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Next time, next.